Welcome to the Church Leadership Podcast, your weekly source for encouraging and equipping local church leaders with your hosts, Mark Ganey and Andy Frazier. In each episode, Andy and Mark sit down with church leaders that you should know. We believe these honest conversations will be helpful and encouraging to you as you lead the local church. Here is this week's episode. Welcome to today's episode of the Church Leadership Podcast. We're so glad you have joined us for today's conversation. And I want to start by saying today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Sanford MTI. We'll tell you more about them in a bit. Uh, but we want, to, we want to get you to this conversation because we're so excited about it. But before we do, I want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast. You can do that on YouTube if you're watching, or you can do that on any of your podcast listening apps. Uh, wherever you're finding us, hit the subscribe button. We don't want you to miss a single episode because we're all about helping you. We want to encourage and equip you to lead in the local church. So here's today's conversation. We are thrilled to have a special guest with us on the podcast this week. We have Dan Spader with us. Many of you have heard of that name because we've referenced him and some of his materials, especially one of his books we're going to be talking a little bit about today. But we are glad that Dan has made time to join us all the way from California. Right. Dan, thank you for being on the podcast with us today. It's great being with you guys. Looking forward to it. Well, Dan is, uh, as well as an author, he has also uh, been a pastor, and he has trained and coached a lot of pastors That's over right. the past 25 years. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about disciple making, helping pastors, and some of the books he has authored, and a whole lot about the life of Jesus today. Yeah. So we're looking forward to the conversation. So I want to start, Dan, thank you again for joining us. I want to start by talking about something that's really been your passion for a long time. It's not something you picked up last week or a couple months ago to write a book about. I mean, you've been talking about the life of Jesus, yeah. uh, you know, the chronology of his life, um, how his humanity plays an aspect in that. But specifically, you've, you've been great at teaching and equipping pastors in understanding how that has practical implications in church leadership and pastoring, but specifically making disciples. So tell us a little bit about why that's your passion and, and maybe some of the things that you've discovered over the years. Yeah, so many pastors I find focus on the message of Jesus, which is powerful, but there's much more to Jesus. They, we need to look at the model of his methods of creating a movement. And uh, let, me, let me just tell you my story. Radically, I came to Christ 50 years ago. Matter of fact, this is my 50th year of celebrating. Walking Happy birthday. Life. Yeah, I know. I wrote a book on just all I've learned in the last 50 years. Um, but in the process of that, a brand new Christ follower went off to Bible school, started working part-time in a small church of 100 people uh, with about 10 kids in a youth group as a, a youth pastor. Uh, um, and I, I said, man, you're going to pay me to practice on your kids. I'll take it, you know, I <laughs> you, but you're going to pay me. So I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Never been in a youth group, never been in an evangelical church. A professor at Bible college where I was attending made a statement that changed my life. He just said in passing Christ's initial disciples could have been, or probably were teenagers when Jesus began to work with them. And that's probably true of John 16, 17. The other disciples, late teens, early 20s, Peter, maybe 25, 27. But and I, I just had a new picture of Jesus because as a 20-year-old, Jesus was an old guy. He was about 30. So I figured <laughs> that was a bunch of old guys. So I went to the prof and I said, prof, is that really true? And he said, yeah. 
Uh, and I said, well, then what did Jesus do with his youth group? I'm a youth pastor. How did Jesus go to his youth Now, he chuckled, but he just compiled a harmony of the Gospels, which I didn't even know what it was, a chronological look at the life of Christ through the four Gospels. And he said, you got to get one and study what Jesus did and do what Jesus did. Well, that seemed to make sense to me. I went and bought my first harmony of the Gospels, and I had an engineering background. I got saved out of engineering, so I'm very analytical. Uh, made a commitment to take three days, two to three days every month. And this went on for over 10 years. And I would just start analyzing the life of Christ. What did he do first year? Where'd he go? What did he say? Why did he not do this? I mean, I've been to Israel over 50 times in my quest to study and get to know what I call the real Jesus who walked in flesh and blood on this earth, who told us over 40 times, do what I did, walk as I walk, follow the pattern I gave you. So I begin to analyze what did Jesus do? Why did he do it? When did he do it? How did he do it? What did he teach while he was doing it? And so I tried to reconstruct the life of Christ. We call our youth group Sun Life because we're just trying to live the Sun's life. We're trying to figure it out. I was, I was such a novice to Jesus. I said, well, I'm just going to try to do what Jesus did. And um, God bless that, begin to grow. Um, our youth group exceeded the size of the church. Students were reaching students. People began to come and say, how are you doing that? I said, I don't know. I'm just doing what Jesus did. Well, what's that? <laughs> and so we wrote a strategy seminar, the Sun Life Strategy Seminar. Well, next 12 years, we trained thousands of youth pastors in that. All over North America had several thousand model ministries that were students were reaching students. Disciples were making disciples all based upon a deeper grasp of the life of Christ. That began to go international. In the last 15 years, I've just been working to build those movements around the globe. Um, and so it's all rooted in Jesus. And so that's that my passion more than anything. And I mentioned this before he went on. It, yeah, I'm into discipling, but you cannot be into Jesus without being into discipling. And so my passion is getting to know the real Jesus that walked on this earth. Now, there's a resurrected Jesus, which we'll worship for eternity. But the real Jesus who walked on this earth is the one we're told to emulate over 40 times. Do what I've done, walk as I walk, follow the pattern I gave you. And that's the Jesus I love studying, trying to live as he lived. He was man as God intended man to be. And so in the model of Jesus, um, I, I just began to pour myself into that. And, and let me just say this, and it kind of frames up what we'll probably get to next. The more I study Jesus, so my doctoral work and I'm going to study, is I found basically there are two ways to exegete the life of Christ. First, you can exegete how Jesus made disciples. He was a master at it. His passion was not to reach the world his passion to make disciples capable of reaching the world. So he was a master at taking the lay person and teaching them how to reproduce their life in others, making disciples make disciples. That's one way to study Jesus. My four chair book is about how Jesus made disciples. But the second way, which is more complex, and this is where it kind of initially started, we looked at how did Jesus as a leader build a movement of multiplying disciples? Because looking uh, at Jesus through the lens of a leader building a movement is different than looking at Jesus through the lens of how he made a disciple. And so, so both of those things are, are challenging to me. 
uh, how he made disciples and how he built movements. So my passion is Jesus. <laughs> well, your passion is evident and your passion for Jesus has overflowed into the life of a lot of, of other leaders in the church, including Mark and myself and, and a lot of people that we know. Uh, uh, a resource like uh, the four chairs that you've written has been helpful to us. And, and we know that there's some great things happening here. I, I, we're, we're invested in helping pastors as well. But one of the things that you've done is, is al- allowed us to see how this paradigm shift has happened. Mm-hmm. We, we've gone, for, and it hasn't been easy for, yeah. for someone like you, who was probably on the, the front end of that, how we've seen people recognize the emptiness of what we've been doing the last few mm-hmm. decades and how we're building our churches and, and building our church's ministry around some program-driven things or attractional things or, or just growing numbers. How have you seen that shift take place mm-hmm. over the last you know, several decades that you've been involved in this, especially involved in the life of pastors? I remember 40 years ago when I taught our first strategy seminar, which was a 12-hour overview of how Jesus made disciples who could build a movement. Um, It started with 15 youth pastors. Probably a half of them came to me and said, that is the most radical thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Many of them have been through seminary, like Howard Hendricks says, it takes you four years to get to seminary, 40 years to get over it. Um, (laughs) They were shocked. They said, why wasn't I taught this? And, and we've ha- we, we were training 20, 30,000 youth workers a year. And I'd hear that statement almost every time we taught Jesus as a model for disciple making. Why haven't I heard that before? So in the, I'd say the first 15, 20 years of doing it, it was radical to talk about disciple making because everybody's talking about church growth or programs or attractional models or deconstruction models or emergent church or everything but disciple making. Um, but now, uh, thanks to some men, you know, who have written big names, who have written on this, it's become kind of the buzzword. You know, we got to make disciples. And I love that. And, and I think we're finally getting back to the, the to life of Jesus and to the Great Commission, because the command of the Great Commission is not to go. The command is to make disciples and to keep our eyes on him, the, the word to do, which is a, a command too. But um People are beginning to say, yeah, we got to get back to the basics of disciple making. And there's no better model than that than Jesus. Jesus planted the first church. I don't think you can you can understand the book of Acts until you understand the life of Christ. Mm. And and that's why your 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 Christology defines your uh, missiology, which determines your ecclesiology. In other words, if you don't have a good understanding of the real Jesus that walked on this earth, you'll never understand how he made disciples. You'll never understand our mission. You'll never fully understand the church. And so it just, it sounds so basic, but I'm stunned at how many people, we don't know the real Jesus. They don't know that the first 18 months of his life, he only did two miracles. They don't know that the 12 were chosen until two and a half years into it. And I'm convinced the 12 were not disciples in training. They were leaders 
future leaders of this movement that he had been working for two and a half years. They don't know that it wasn't until three and a half years into it, Jesus was full of joy. Why? Because I think he saw his first disciples begin to reproduce, and now he could go to the cross because he said, Father, I've completed the work you gave me to do. Then the work was not dying on the cross. The work was making disciples make disciples. The work of Jesus was disciple making. The will of the Father was for Jesus to make atonement for our sins. So we, we don't, we haven't separated those two things. Only Jesus can make atonement for sins, and he did. But the work of Jesus while he was on this earth was making disciples make disciples. And he said, I want you over 40 times, he said, do what I've done. Walk as I walk, follow that pattern. So we got to get back to knowing the real Jesus. And boy, when you when you reconstruct the life of Christ, that's why I love taking people to Israel, pastors, teaching them. When you when you do a chronological study of Jesus, you begin to understand that the movement Jesus created was his life work, and it took Jesus over four years to get this movement underway. And yet, pastors, we tend to think we can do it in two years. Yeah, we wonder why five, seven years down the road, it hasn't happened yet. Well, because yeah. we've got to undo a lot of stuff that's been done. That's in the past. And, but it's worth your life throwing at to throw your life at developing reproducing disciples. I spent uh, seven years, uh, wonderful seven years working in a mega church. Um, the last seven years, a matter of fact, out of that came the four chair book. The walk like Jesus, live like Jesus, because there, it's a mega church of 30, 40,000 people. They had 400 staff, and we trained all of their staff part time. I was doing this in the life of Christ. And then they begin to say, How do we teach this stuff, these transferable life of Christ principles to the layperson? And out of that, we developed those three resources because the typical pastor, number one, but the secondly, the typical layperson doesn't. They may understand the message of Jesus, but they don't understand the model, his life, his humanity, that we can do what Jesus did if we walk as Jesus walked. Because we think he was God, and I'm not, therefore I can't do it. That's faulty theology. Yes, he was God. He was fully God. Don't take me wrong in that. He was fully God, but he was also fully human. And if you understand that hypostatic union, the theology of the, that God-man... Jesus, in his humanity, did what he did through the Holy Spirit, prayer, and word. That's why 45 times he slipped away to pray. It's so critical to understand the life of Christ. When I've studied the 45 times Jesus slipped away to pray, numerous times, every time I study Jesus and his prayer life, I'm stunned at my own disciple-making abilities. Hmm. Because the more I align my life with praying for my disciples like Jesus did, the more I'll see the, the fruit of Jesus. Yep. It's, it's simple, but it's radical. That's right. It's simple, but it's not easy. <laughs> That's exactly right. You, you are definitely speaking our language, and um, yeah. I'm, I'm getting pumped sitting here listening to you. We'll get back to our conversation in just a minute. First, we want to tell you about our sponsor for today's episode. Our friends at Sanford MTI are sponsoring this episode, and they are on the front lines of equipping people in theology and ministry training. MTI offers affordable and accessible education opportunities to anybody who has a desire to be equipped in ministry or simply grow in their knowledge of Scripture. They offer a lot of great courses around their 38 extension locations, and you can get a diploma for 
$50 per course. And what's really exciting to us is they offer an MTI online certificate in pastoral leadership, disciple making, women's leadership, worship leadership, and worship administration. In fact, if you use a special code, the code is ALSBOM, A-L-S-B-O-M, you can receive 50% off of their disciple making certificate. And here's the cool thing. You can earn an online certificate in less than a year for just $700. This is Sanford's way to give back to the local church. And so we want to invite you to find out more information. You can go to their website at sanford.edu slash go slash MTI. We'll put that link in our show notes. And uh, we encourage you to check out this awesome, this awesome program at Sanford MTI. Now let's get back to our conversation. We, we mentioned this a couple of times and I kind of want to uh, yeah. uh, focus this a little bit in this direction. So, uh, you know, you mentioned before we came on that you, you've been able to see a disciple-making movement begin in 130 countries now over the last 15 years. It's incredible. And in our own state, even here in Alabama, there's certainly a disciple-making movement go on, going on. And, and your, your book, Four Chairs, was, was really on the, the forefront of, of helping that movement get started. But you know, let's say there's a, a pastor or a church leader and they have a heart for the life of Jesus and they want to do what Jesus did and they want to follow his pattern and they want to be disciples who make disciples and they want to help a movement get started where they are. Well, how do they do that? I mean, what, what should they start with? First and foremost, I just say dig back into the life of Christ chronologically, get a harmony. There's 30 plus versions of it out there. And somebody says, oh, I don't believe in a harm, harmony study of Jesus. Well, then just study the gospel of Luke, because Luke says, I write you this in a harmony, in chronological mm-hmm. order. So, but, but, but rebuild the life of Christ and, and analyze that against your own ministry. It takes time to build a movement. So I, I go deeper in Jesus, fall in love with him afresh. And I encourage you, start looking at, at, at the issue of the simplicity of Christ's life in terms of how he prayed, how everything he did, he did through the power of the Holy Spirit. Fall in love with the simplicity of Jesus' humanness again. My experience is, I I always believed he was fully God, but sometimes that fully Godness of Jesus overshadowed his humanity until I began to spend over 400 hours just studying the humanity of Jesus because it so rocked my discipling world. I began to realize in his humanity, he showed us how to do it. He was man as God intended man to do. So study that humanity. Begin to look at that. Uh, there's some really good training out there. It's, it's I'm disciple making. There's a lot of that. I, I think there's less training on how to build a movement. But, uh, you know, Sun Life has training on that. We, we've written we look a lot at the five phases of building a movement. And by the way, this is how we measure every one of the 130 countries we're in. Because when you look at Jesus and exegetist life, you see that there are five phases very naturally in the life of Christ of how he built a movement. And so if we mirror what he did during that phase, we're probably on the right track. And when we see certain things happen, we now we know we're in phase two. We see another thing happen, we're in phase three. And we measure every one of our 130 countries by what phase we're in, measure back against the life of Christ. It's, it's 
took it took me about 10 years to figure it out i'm slower than most but <laughs> most people are smarter than me can understand it when you begin to study it but there are good tools to help you understand those phases of building a movement now and when you begin to see that it gives you hope and an ability to endure long term because you've got to endure in a local church to build movements. I always say this, you haven't made a disciple until they make a disciple. I know. That's right. and when that reproduction happens, it's fun. You mentioned right. that word tools, and uh, we want to actually let those who are watching and listening to this podcast have access to some of those tools. We'll, we'll put a link in our show notes to uh, some of those things we've mentioned, some of the books like, uh, you know, uh, Four Chairs and Walking Like Jesus Walked. But also you mentioned earlier before we, we got on here about a, a web address we're going to mention, and that's disciplemovements.com slash webinar. Yeah. And tell us a little bit about that. I think it's singular. Disciplemovement.com. Okay. Disciple okay. And slash then webinar. Backslash webinar. It'll take you right to three the three resources, a 15 minute summary of those three. As a leader, you'll get a big picture of what we're teaching there. We're all about resources and tools. And uh, one thing Mark and I try to emphasize is, you know, we can become way too dependent on curriculum or literature that we leave out the, the main curriculum and literature we should be using as scripture. So I'm thankful that that's what your tools and the resources you provide do. And what you've talked about today is you just point us back to the life and ministry of Jesus over and over and over again. Uh, tell us a little bit about how uh, during, maybe during the pandemic, let's bring that up just a second, how, how emphasizing the life of Jesus will help us in times of uncertainty, craziness like we're experiencing right now. Well, I, I love John 17. Uh, it's the second, uh, the, the live like Jesus study I wrote. I don't know if you've been exposed to it or not, but in there one day I was in Israel teaching and I found the seven, what I call the seven I statements of Jesus. I now call them the seven disciplines of a disciple maker. I mean, in his high priestly prayer, the very end of his life, before he goes into the garden to make atonement for sin, Jesus prays to his father, and he's praying for his disciples that are gathered around him, the 11 guys that are left. He puts his arm around, lifts his high up to heaven, and then he tells us what he did. And there are seven I statements there. And when I saw those, I was like, ooh, this is good. This is <laughs> Jesus in his own words telling us what he did in a simple way. Now, we have 70 hours of training on the life of Christ, but in one chapter, he tells us. So I, what I love, we've been training. We did this at the mega church I was at. We take those seven I statements, and I do this in one of those webinars. It's under the Live Like Jesus study, and we break it into three words because people can't remember seven, but they can remember three. And, and what did Jesus do to make these disciples his 11 that he prayed for? He prayed for them. 45 times he slipped away. He said, I prayed for them. He cared for them. He said, I protected them. I was sanctified myself that they might be sanctified. He purified himself. And he, he said, I was present with them. I revealed you to them. And then he shared, he shared the word. And it's interesting in that passage where he said, I gave them the word you gave me. He didn't use the word logos, the normal word. He used the word rima, which means the daily thing the father taught me, I taught them. And I, I gave them the word. He gave them ministry and he gave them the glory, the coming glory. Um, I gave them the glory you gave me. Reference Daniel 7 passage where the son of man gets the glory and turns and gives it to his saints. Now, 
when you understand pray, care, share as the core of disciple making like Jesus, you can do that anywhere. That's right. That's right. Anytime. <laughs> and, and you know what's nice about the COVID? It often made it easier because you didn't have all these other meetings to go to. Right. Yep. I wasn't traveling all over. So I could pray for my neighbors, Christian and I could, I could care for them, mm-hmm. take them food, love on them, spend more time with them because I was home and I could share with them what God's teaching me in this pandemic. So it made it easier to make disciples, not harder. And that was a beauty to me of the pandemic. And it's still ongoing where we're at. But once people learn how to do those simple core things, now I've written a book on those three things. You can expand that for infinity if you study all of the life of Christ. But it's as simple as the seven disciplines of a disciple maker, seven I statements of Jesus to pray, to care, and to share. And Mm -hmm. do what he did. And you do that for 10 years, you will have a movement. I guarantee it. Because I can tell you stories around the globe of lay people who have done those things. And now they have a movement of multiplication in their country. That's awesome. It's just, it's just fun. It's not easy, but it's fun. Absolutely. And listen, what you said, not only can you do it anywhere, anytime, we should be doing it. I mean, you know, I'll even up that one a little bit. Jesus said, if you do what I've done, no, you can even do greater things. How can a, a simple farm boy, a pig farmer from South Dakota named Dan, me, how can I have movements in 130 countries? I am not that smart. Well, you guys know you can see me. I'm pretty good looking. No, just kidding. I'm, I'm not good looking. I, I'm really not that smart. I'm not that talented, but I know the life of Christ. Mm. And I know this stuff works yep. because Jesus said you can even do greater things. Why? Because Jesus had four years to make disciples. We have 40 years. I've been at it 50 years now. And, right. and, and, and this is what he wants all Christ followers to experience. That's exactly right. That's the key. It's not no. just for some of us. I mean, this is our life. Yes. Our life is the life of Christ. Yes. So uh, what an encouragement, Dan. Thank you so much for sharing some of your, your passion, sharing some of your uh, lessons and, and really vision and, and experience with us today. And um it's, I mean, it really is an encouragement to us. And I know those watching and listening have been encouraged and equipped to better lead in local church. And so thank you again so much for joining us. My pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah, we've been looking forward to this conversation with you for a while and we, we are, we're not disappointed. So we're, we're glad for you to be able to, to be here with us today. And I know beyond a shadow of doubt, if anybody has enjoyed this today. It's been me. If anybody's been blessed by our conversation today, God's used you to encourage and help me. So thank you, Dan. Sure. And just, I just, let me just close. I mean, what would happen if we all got back to a deeper passion for the real Jesus that walked on his earth? Maybe just maybe we'll have a revival. Amen. Maybe just maybe we'd have a renewed movement of people passionate about falling in love with Jesus all over again. Amen. 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 Man, I, I would love it. Amen. That's what we long for. Yeah. Thanks again, Dan. You bet you're my pleasure. We'll see y'all next time. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Church Leadership Podcast. Don't forget to share, subscribe, and even review our podcast on your favorite podcast listening app.